Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, hello. What are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> we, do a show? we are doing a show. Awesome. My name's Joe Anderson, certified financial planner. I am with Alan Clopine, uh, Big Al, we call him. Uh, we got a show lined up for you today. We uh, There's not um, too much in the news. <laughs> So it took us a while to come up you with some know, content for you. You know, almost nothing this week happened of significance, right? Uh, we're being for those of you uh, that just woke up from y- a long y- nap. Yes, we have a new president, Donald Trump. President-elect. Yes. President-elect. Right. And um, what we'll go through today, because the show is called Your Money, Your Wealth, um, and a lot of the things we talk about on the show is taxes. Yes. So we will go through and dive through some of the different proposals um, that could be coming down um, next year, 2017. Yeah, yeah Joe, it, it turns out that uh, the House is, is Republican-controlled, which we expected. The Senate, we didn't really know, but it it's now Republican-controlled as well. I think uh, 52 Republicans to 48 Democrats. So you got a Republican... In the White House, and then in the Senate, in yeah. the House of Representatives. That's correct. And uh, trifecta. However, uh, the, it's not a supermajority in the um, in the Senate. You need sixty Republicans for that to happen. So therefore, uh, the Democrats have to have their their due uh, in front of everybody, and that's where filibusters come in. And that's actually the Republicans use fil- filibustering to. Um, uh, I would say an, uh, an extreme expert level over the last eight years to try to stop things they didn't want to go through. Now the Democrats, tables have turned. Now they're going to have to do the same kind of thing. So I would imagine uh, 2017 is a pretty it's high, high probability that there will be some tax reform. I think so, too. It's been about 30 years since we've had any type of major tax reform. And so um, what we'll talk about is kind of dive into the, the, the weeds a little bit. I think it's important. Uh, so if you're curious at all about what to expect from our tax code, um, stay tuned over the next couple of hours. If not, turn the station. Because <laughs> we don't really got a lot of fluff today. It's just basically no, we're looking all, at we're content. All content. All content yeah. uh, but we do have your emails, of course, that we'll get to uh, a little bit later on in the show. So let's talk about this. The first things first when it comes to taxes, right, is that the, the, the major thing um, is just the federal income tax brackets. Yeah, the, the brackets will change. Right now, Joe— uh, We have seven. We have seven, and, and Trump is proposing to go down to three. And I, and I will say one thing here. A lot of people are sort of predicting—of course, we know how good predictions are— but a lot of folks are predicting that maybe those first 100 days that Trump is in office, we might see a lot of action. And, and in past president, in new presidents, a lot of times the first 100 days, a lot gets done. So we'll see. Uh, but with regards to— I would this, imagine he's not going to sit on his hands. I don't think so. Yeah, um, I would imagine he, he's probably going to try to get some stuff passed or through fairly quickly. Right. So right now, Joe, we have brackets. That's the lowest federal bracket is ten percent. Then we got a fifteen percent bracket. We got twenty five, twenty eight, thirty three, thirty five, and the highest bracket's thirty nine point six. 
And in fact, in some cases, people pay more than that because uh, we know that there's a Medicare surtax, uh, a net investment income tax, if you will, of 3.8% on dividends, interest, capital gains, rental income, passive type income, uh, unearned income is what they call it. When your income, when you're married and your income is over 250000 and you're single, it's over 200000 So that can actually get the... Uh, get the high, highest effective rate between 43 and 44% right now for some types of income. So what does Trump want to do? Well, he would like to go down to three brackets, and his first bracket is 12%, not 10, 12%. Second bracket is 25, and then the highest bracket is 33%. So again, let's contrast. We have 10% to 39.6. What he's proposing is 12% to 33%. And roughly, Joe, you observe this correctly, which is the 12% bracket kind of replaces the 10 and 15. So let's let's kind of break it down like this. Is that how I look at it is to say, all right, well, if we have a 10, 15, 25, 28, 33, 35, and 39.6. So I'm going to go to the lower brackets first. So if I look at the, let's just combine the 10 and the 15% tax bracket, because that's what the new proposal looks like. It's just combining the two brackets. Correct. Because the top of the 15% tax bracket is $75,000 in rough numbers. In, in, in roughly, yeah. Right. So taxable income. So your tax on your taxable income, not your gross income, adjusted gross. And we can talk about deductions and everything else in a little bit. So the top of that 15% tax bracket is 75. Well, the top of the 12% tax bracket is going to be roughly 75,000. Correct. So he's combining the 10 and the 15% tax bracket to 12. Right. So if I take an average of 10 and 15, the average is roughly what, 12 and a half. Right. So there's not a ton of savings there. It, it all depends on what happens with the standard deduction. Correct. Because they're looking at doubling up the standard deduction. And so for lower wage income earners, that doubling up of the standard deduction will potentially have less money taxed, right, going into that 12%, where before they might have been taxed a little bit earlier on the 10%. Yeah, that is that is true, Joe. And the, the exact number is if you're single, you get a standard deduction right now of $6,300. So that's in lieu of itemizing. So there's a thing called itemized deductions or standard deduction. You get to take the higher the two. Itemized deductions are when you pay a lot of state taxes or mortgage interest or property taxes or a lot of charity, right? So if you add all those up and it's more than 6,300, then that's what you claim. You claim you're itemized. But if you don't have that much, you get the standard deduction of 6,300. And by the way, it's 12,600 if you're married. So the new numbers being proposed would be a standard deduction of 15,000 single and 30,000 married. So a little bit uh, more than double. However... Also, is right now we get an exemption of about $4,050 per person. So if I'm single, I get the standard deduction. If I can't itemize of about $6,300, I get $4,000, let's say, in round numbers for exemption. So that's a little over $10,000. But there's no more exemptions anymore. I get $15,000 instead of ten, so that's a pretty good deal. But if I have five kids and I'm married, that would be... That would be like seven exemptions. Seven times four, that's like, what, 28000 And uh, so I don't get the 28000 for exemptions and the standard deduction. I just get the thirty. So, so we're throwing out a bunch of numbers here. So let's are. just try to keep it simple. <laughs> Bringing it down from seven brackets to three. If you're looking at the on the lower end of the spectrum, he's combining the 10 and the 15% tax bracket. He's calling that 12. 
Then we look at the 25 and the 28% tax bracket. The top of the 25% tax bracket married is 150. Then the top of the 28 is about 230. So what he's saying is that let's just combine those two brackets, right. call it 25, sure. and then that would be up to about 250,000. Yes. So he's just combining the brackets. So yeah, the 10 I, and the 15, let's that. call that 12. 25, 28, let's just call that 25. Anything over then 230,000 or $250,000 of income, we're just going to call that 33 and we're good. We're good. We're not going to go up to 35 and 39.6. It's just going to be 33. So on the surface, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I right. mean, uh, most people will end up paying lower taxes. Not everybody, but I would say a lot of people will. Who do you up... think is going to make um, the biggest tax savings? Biggest tax savings clearly will be those that make a lot of money, right? Be- because LeBron James. Yeah. like He's, he's going to save $15 million in taxes. Yeah. That's 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 what uh, an article we saw said. And that's that's because, I mean, on his salary, his salary is, is about $30 million a year. And he'll save about $2.3 million on that. But he, the bigger deal, Joe, is his endorsement. Uh, income, which comes through his his corporation. So let's stop. Let's <laughs> we're going to get into corporation taxes and things like that. <laughs> so well, we got a long way to go to talk about this. We do. But when you look at where we're at and what's going to happen, there's some significant changes that you want to make sure that you are aware of. So just this first segment, it's taken us ten minutes just to describe what the what marginal the brackets, brackets are, are going to so look like. So we got like. a long ways to go. So we got right it's seven brackets. It's going down to three potentially. Right? This is of course not signed, but this is what sure. his proposal is. Yeah, right. So there's two things that you got to look at too. You got to look at Trump's proposal, and then you got to look at Paul Ryan's. Right. Right. So there's a little bit of differences there, and I, I would imagine more of Trump's proposal is going to look more like Paul Ryan's because he'll probably just say, you know what, I don't want to deal with this. Why don't you deal yeah, with it? Yeah, you already and looked at you it. Already, more yeah, you're probably a little bit better um, at this than I am. And so um, so stick around. Stay tuned. we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of changes, and there's a lot of things that you want to make sure that you do before year end. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al, talking uh, tax reform. 2017 could be the year that we have a little bit different tax system. Yeah, that last major reform, Joe, was 1986, Reagan years. That was the Tax Simplification Act. Was it, how, how simple did it get? That uh, was a boom for, boon for CPAs, I'll tell you that, because that's when things got a lot more complicated. All the passive loss rules were introduced and other stuff, and it made the tax code a lot more complicated. I, I will say, this just an opinion, I think it did make the tax code fairer, but uh, because people were writing off all all kinds of crazy investments right. that probably they shouldn't have been. However, it sure made things a lot more complicated. And that's that's and this is an, again an opinion, which is our financial world is complicated and it's it's very difficult to have a simple tax system that's also fair. Although we need to strive for it because it's way too complicated as it is right sure. now. Sure. I mean, how many brackets were back then and then the Tax Simplification Act brought it down to just a couple of different brackets? Yeah, it was it was kind of the same idea, Joe, and I don't remember exactly, but it was somewhere on the order of six, seven, eight, nine brackets, and I think it was brought down to three by Reagan. Yeah, two. Yeah, or two. Right. And so that was the Tax Simplification Act. Was it simpler? But then we added all these other rules to figure out how do you determine what income really is, right? It doesn't matter how many brackets you have. It's it's what's the definition of income and how do you get there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And then I think a lot of times we get caught up on the bracket or the, the rate. But then if you don't have the deductions... Right, so it's like, well, here I'm paying at a lower rate, but why am I paying more money in tax? Right. Well, it's it's because 
the rate is taxed on taxable income. So you have to get to that taxable income number. And how do you get to your taxable income today is after all your deductions, exclusions, and exemptions. And so if you have a lot of deductions, exclusions, and exemptions, right, that can get your taxable income low enough Right, right, and so you're 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 t- you're taxed at a higher rate, but at a lower number. But now the opposite potentially could happen to a lot of people, where they're going to be taxed at a lower rate, but at a higher number. Right, yeah, and Joe, that will that could happen for uh, actually both ends of the spectrum for those that don't make a lot of money uh, versus those that make a ton of money. And the reason is because when you look at the and we talked about this last segment, the standard deduction. For married people, is 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 proposed to go from twelve thousand six hundred to thirty thousand. Okay, well that seems like a good deal, right? But what if your um, what if your itemized deductions right now are 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 fifteen thousand, and so you itemize and, and you've got a bunch of kids, right? So when you add up all the exemptions and your itemized deduction, it would have been whatever thirty five forty thousand. So now you actually have less deductions than the old system, even though it seems like it's a more generous, right? right. Because in, in at least what's being proposed is it doesn't matter whether you have no kids or 10 kids, you get the same standard deduction and there would be no more exemptions. So the exemption is based on dependence. Correct. It's based upon the number of people in your family that you're caring for. And the standard deduction as we know it right now is a substitute for free deductions that you get because you didn't have enough to itemize. So the concept is to merge those together and give us a bigger number for standard deduction, which sounds good, but without exemptions, it it could hurt those that have lots of kids, the families. So it's looking at, all right, well, do you need to accelerate income or do you need to take income this year? Right. Is key. Because Because uh, this change could happen next year. I would would imagine next year is... Um, or I, I guess the next couple of years, the, the odds are pretty good. It's probably higher than it's been in, what, the past couple of decades. Yeah, when you look at the appetite for, for tax change and Republican-controlled Congress, Senate, and President, it, it does seem like something's going to happen. I guess if I had to bet, Joe, I would say something will probably happen next year, but it may not take effect until 2018. I mean, you've been a CPA for how long? For over 30 years. So it's pretty credible. Yeah, well. <laughs> You've seen a lot of things come I have. through. I, and every time there has been a, a major tax or even a minor tax change, it's always t- at the end of the year with one exception, or maybe a couple exceptions, but the one is capital gain law. Capital gain is when you buy and sell a stock at a gain and you get a special capital gains rate. Well, in the past, when they've changed the capital gains law, and they've done it a couple times in my career, they've actually gone with the date of signing of the bill. And so every capital gain before that was taxed at the old rate. Everyone after that was taxed at the new rate. And the reason they could do that is because on your tax return, you're required to put when you purchased something and when you sold something. So it's real clear whether it was before or after. Now, when it comes to salary and interest and dividends, it's very unclear when you earned it because you just get one number at year end. Yeah, your W-2. So there's no way to really do that. Although I will say in California, California, uh, they actually did a retroactive tax increase. Uh, that's That was the only one time I've ever seen. I've never seen the federal government do that. What was that, 12? 2012. Yeah. Yeah. And so, all right, let's get into capital gains. Right now, um, I, I guess depends on, if you look at, if you follow the, what Trump is saying, capital gains is not going to change except for the net investment income tax on, on top of capital gains. I guess that's two separate taxes. Right. But the net investment income tax is kind of an addition 
um, is how I look at two capital gains because yeah. the 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 net investment income tax is not taxed on ordinary income. Yeah, that's true, Joe. And so the capital gains rate. The interesting thing is, and this is still true in current law as well as what's proposed by Trump, is. As a married couple, the first 75000 of taxable income, capital gains are taxed at zero. There's no tax. They're actually tax-free. And I would say the majority of people that we talk to don't even realize that. You know, they're, they're retired, they have low income, and they're not selling their long-term stock positions because they're afraid to pay the tax. And the truth is they could actually create, up as a married couple, up to $75,000 of taxable income, and all those capital gains would actually be tax-free. Then you look at after that 25 or um, up to the 25% tax bracket to the 39.6 bracket, you're at 15% and then it's at 20. And basically the new capital gains law on Trump's side is the same. Um, If you look at there's um, Paul Ryan's, it's a little bit different. Right. So what, it's 6.5%, then it goes to 12.5% to 16.5%. Those are the three different thresholds. Three three different levels, depending upon your holding period. You got it. Yeah, exactly. One one difference, though, with Trump, I would say, is the 20% rate would kick in at the highest bracket, which he's projecting at, or he's proposing it at, well, at 225,000 of taxable income. And right now, for a married couple, and right now for a married couple, that highest rate doesn't happen until about 460,000 of taxable income. So that would actually be a slight increase. So again, it's figuring out, all right, well, where are you at now? Where do you think you're going to be? Right? What are your deductions going to look like? And then for those of you that give a lot of charity, right? so they're going to limit the amount of standard deduction. $100,000 if you are single, $200,000 if you're married. Right. And a lot of you are thinking, well, well that mean, doesn't, that's a, doesn't apply to me. That's a huge number. Well, <laughs> not necessarily. I mean, depends on how big of a mortgage that you have. Right. Right. Depends on if you have a lot of medical expenses. Yeah. Depends on how much you give to charity. Right. Right. There's a lot of people that give 20, 30 percent of their income to charity. Right. Well, if you make a hundred thousand bucks, that could be twenty, thirty thousand there. You have a fairly large mortgage. We do live in Southern California here. If you're listening on the podcast, well, your mortgages might be a little bit different, but that could be another thirty, forty thousand. You have some medical expenses, miscellaneous expenses. I mean, that stuff adds up fairly quickly. Yeah, Joe. And if you have any extraordinary event like stock options or something like that, it puts you in a higher bracket. You pay more state taxes. There's lots of ways actually that you can get over these numbers to where you're limiting your your deductions and and. Boy, right now is such a key time, I think, to be thinking about year-end tax planning because it's uh, tax law may change. It may change next year or may change the year after. And there's laws as we know them today, and there are going to be certain strategies that you want to consider today. And, and as far as a tax planning strategy, you always have to implement them by December 31st. So we don't have a lot of time here. But it, to me, I guess the, the most important consideration is that to realize that you do have some control over your taxes because there are strategies that are available today and will be available tomorrow, whatever the proposals, whatever actually comes into being law. But once you know what those laws are, you can put yourself in a better position for the rest of your life to pay less taxes. And not only this year, but in future years. We have a, a brand new forward-looking tax-efficient strategy that uh, we have put together. Actually, we've updated, I should say, now with the Trump president-elect and what the changes may be and how that could impact you. Find out how you can legally pay fewer taxes than ever before. This is with our new updated tax reduction analysis. And in the analysis, we'll take a look at your situation. We'll figure out what strategies are going to make the most sense for you, particularly with a focus on what needs to be done between now 
and year-end because we've only got just a few weeks to do it. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner alongside Big Al Clopine. Uh, talking about um, maybe some potential tax law changes and what you should be taking a look at now uh, to put yourself in the absolute best possible position um, to pay the least amount of tax that you're legally obligated to. Um, and I, I'm thinking to myself here, if I'm approaching retirement, okay, huge strategies that you, you may want to consider. One is you have to control your capital gains. So if you're look if you have a stock portfolio, mutual fund portfolio that is outside of your retirement account, those assets or real estate, right? Those assets if you sell them will be taxed at a capital gains rate. So if you purchase a mutual fund outside your um, retirement account, you say you have 100,000, now it's worth 110,000, you sell it, well you owe tax on $10,000 the gain. And right now that capital gain rate is 0, 15 or 20 depending on what your income level is. And so let's just assume for most listeners, it's 15%. Well, do you have any other losses potentially, right? So you want to look at tax loss harvesting opportunities, making sure that you're managing those portfolios appropriately. Because nine times out of 10, Al, I would say people that have these non-qualified larger accounts, they're very rarely tax managed appropriately. Right. I would agree with that, Joe. And so what we're talking about is whatever positions you have, whether it's individual stocks or mutual funds, ETFs, doesn't really matter what. Stocks and mutual funds have a tendency to go up, but they also have a tendency to go down at different times during different market cycles or even just during different blips in the market, if you will. And so what we're suggesting is that you you pay attention to your portfolio, and when you have a position that goes down in value less than what you paid for it, well, there's an opportunity there actually to sell it at a loss, and I want you to buy a similar investment so you're still in the market. I'm not telling you to lock in your loss and go to cash. I'm saying buy a similar investment. You can't buy the same one. You'd have to wait 31 days to buy the same one. That's the wash sale rules. But when you buy a a stock mutual fund, let's say at $100 and and now it's worth 70, for example, well, if you sell it, you have a 30 dollar loss and that loss you can use against any other future capital gain, whether it's this year or future years. If you have more losses than you can actually utilize this year, you can carry it forward for the rest of your life. It never expires. And so if you're paying attention, even though you're, you're stuck, maybe you bought it $100 and by the time the year was over, now it's worth 110 but in the middle of the year it went down to 70 bucks. you could actually sell it, have that loss of 30 bucks, buy something similar. So you still got your 110 bucks, but you got a $30 loss that is available against other oh, capital gains. Right. And so when you're looking at trying to create income in retirement, those losses will offset any future gains and potentially you could then draw from that account and not necessarily pay any tax. Yeah, boy, that's a, that's a great way to create tax-free income in retirement is to net your losses with your capital gain income and then you don't pay any tax on that. And so if I'm looking at this, let's just say the assumption that everything that they're proposing comes true. 
which is highly unlikely, but let's just say it does. Right. So now when most of retirees, um, depending on, of course, their income levels, they, they might pay off their mortgage, right? And so they don't necessarily have a lot on the Schedule A, so they might be taking the standard deduction. Sure. And if that standard deduction doubles up, they might not probably, in most cases, they don't have any dependents, so they don't have a lot of exemptions, just you know the spouse and themselves. Right. So if I have a little bit larger standard deduction, okay, that I can get money out of, let's say, of a retirement account tax-free, and then I have the 12% tax bracket versus the 10 and the 15 all the way up to 75000 right? If I think about looking into the future, Roth conversions, to me, make a ton of sense. Because then, if I'm looking at where I'm going to be, and where I'm at now, and how much money that I have in a retirement account. And most people are saying, well, if I'm going to be, if the tax rates go lower, why on earth would I do this strategy? Because you're not looking longer term, right? Because if I'm, if I have money in a tax-free position now, right, I can then control my brackets even more. And if the brackets shift a little bit, where we can get rid of the 28% tax bracket, right? Now we're talking about having significant income and potentially pay even fewer taxes, right? But th th there's no way that you can do that if you don't have assets in other pools. Most of people's assets for retirement is in their retirement account, their 401ks, IRAs, and the like. All of those are gonna be taxed at ordinary income rates. So depending on how much money that you wanna spend is gonna determine what your strategy looks like pre-retirement. But if you could start looking at this longer term and build up a tax-free position, to have those dollars come out, and, put, and then you can stay in the 12% bracket. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I, and I think a lot of people don't really sort of look forward well enough. I mean, in, in other words, they think they're, they're, let's say they're about ready to retire. And just a simple example, they make 100000 a year, and they're putting $20,000 a year into their 401k or 403b, doesn't matter. So they're taxed on 80000 and they're living on 80000 Okay, so they they're saving twenty grand a year into this four hundred one k, plus maybe they they work with a company that has a pension plan, or maybe they work with a government that has a pension plan. So all right, so now you got when you retire, you were making hundred twenty thousand dollars going into your four hundred one k. You retire at age fifty four or sixty four, I mean whatever, and your pension is call it fifty grand. Okay, so that's lower, right? You were paying tax on eighty, now you're paying tax on fifty. But what happens at seventy and a half? Right, you got to maybe that's when you collect your social security. Well, that's another thirty thousand. So now you're back to eighty thousand. Well, also seventy and a half is your required minimum distribution. You got a million bucks in your four hundred one k, four hundred three b. You got to take out close to forty thousand dollars. So now your income is at one forty, right, or one twenty when you used to be paying taxes at eighty. So it's it seems ridiculous. But we see this over and over again, Joe. People end up in higher tax brackets in retirement than even working. And so you can do Roth conversions while you're working, but if you retire before your Social Security and before your required distribution, your income is probably going to be the lowest it will ever be. That's absolutely the best time to stuff a lot of money to a Roth IRA. Well, you just have to look at it year by year. Some years are going to be a little bit larger. Some years is going to be a little bit lower. But I think the point is, is that you're going to have control over your money, right? Or control over the taxes that you pay on your money because you have different areas where you can pull from. Right? If I have a pension, it's taxed at ordinary income. If I have Social Security, well, 85% of that is taxed at ordinary income. And then if I have money in my 401k, that's taxed at ordinary income. 
Well, if I have money in a Roth, well, that's tax-free. If I have money in a brokerage account, that potentially could be tax-free. Right? Then I'm looking at, all right, now I have different options on how to pull my income to now control my brackets at such a lower rate. And if these rates change a little bit, that's even going to give you even more control to save even more money in taxes long term. I mean, I think it's a huge opportunity for most people. If they if they look at it with more of a magnifying glass, I guess, than, than kind of up in um, you know an airplane. Well, true, Joe, and 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 so and so when we're talking Roth conversions at the moment, and and that it, it, like almost everything else we're going to be talking about today needs to be done by December thirty first. That's why we're focusing on year end tax planning right now because there really is a lot you can do to put yourself in a in a much better position. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio seven sixty KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner, Big Al Clopine, hanging out, talking taxes. Get it fired does, up. Doesn't get any better than this. Ugh. Taxes on a Saturday. All right. So let's talk corporate now. All right. Oh, let's just fall asleep. <laughs> I'll go quickly. <laughs> so, Joe, the highest corporate rate for C corporations is now 35%. And uh, the proposal by the Trump administration is to move that down to 15%, right? So from 35 to 15%. And it's not only that, that same tax rate would apply to flow-through companies like an S-Corp or LLC. So your profits that flow through to you would be taxed at a 15% rate rather than your ordinary income tax rate, which is, uh, we we touched briefly on LeBron James saving maybe $15 million if all these proposals go through per year in taxes. A big part of that is because a lot of his income is earned through his company for endorsements that would all of a sudden be taxed at 15% instead of right now 39.6. So it'd be a pretty big difference in corporate rates. So let's say if you have a, if you're a small business owner, a lot of small business owners listen to the show. So if I have, um, let's say I, I, I set up an S corp. Right. Okay. And so all those flow through. So I pay, maybe the business makes $300,000 okay. after expenses. Maybe I pay myself a salary of $150,000, and then the other $150,000 is a flow through. Right. So that $150,000 is going to be taxed at ordinary income rates. I pay FICA tax on it. The other one hundred fifty dollars is a dividend. Right. And right now, as it stands, it's, that's just a flow through. It goes right on the top of the 1040, and then you would be taxed at whatever rate that, you, you, whatever ordinary income rate that Correct. is. Correct. Right. And what would change now is only the salary would be taxed at your ordinary income rate, which could be as high as 33% under the new proposal. And But the other 150000 profit from your S corporation would be taxed at 15%, a lot lower rate. So guess what's going to happen? Salaries are going way down. Way down. I'm not paying myself a salary. I'm, I'm not that effective. I'm going to pay myself 42000 <laughs> Right. The rest is profit. Exactly. Yep. You know that's coming. <laughs> um, here's another thing on the corporate level, too, right? So, I mean, on, um, let's say, a C corp, like a big corporation. Sure. So um, they issue dividends. Right. But the problem with... Th- the corporate rate is a fairly high rate here in the U.S. Right. And so those companies have to pay tax before they issue the dividend. Sure. So they pay tax at the corporate level, and then they distribute the dividend, and then the dividend gets taxed at the ordinary income level. Yeah, for the individual. For the individual that receives it. So it's almost double tax in a sense. And usually it's a qualified dividend, which is taxed at capital gain rate, which is 15%, probably for most people. But think about this. If the corporation is paying 35% tax, and then you get a dividend, you're paying another 15 
15% on top of that, that's actually a 50% rate, and that's before any state taxes as well. Right, and then and, if you put the net investment income tax on top of that, uh, another 3.8. It, yeah, it, it, exactly. So, and, and in California, I mean, that could be as high as 30, 13.3%, right? And it's actually worse than that because you've got the corporate state rate, which is 8.8%, and then you've got the individual rate, which is 133 Now we're approaching a 70% tax for a, C, for a successful C corporation, let's say in California. And other states have high taxes too. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's part of the reason, Joe, why they came up with the qualified dividend So from, your, from a C corporation so the tax wouldn't be so high on both ends. And so I kind of agree with the lower C corporate tax rate because it, it's only fair to make the rates similar. Uh, well, I think, that's why a lot of companies left California, too. Right. Yeah, or switch to S-Corporation or LLC, because now it's only one layer of tax. I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult uh, from just a logistical fairness standpoint to have pass-through income tax to 15%. I mean, it'd be great for business owners, for sure. Uh, but uh, if, is it fair? Well, I'll let you decide that. But it would be a much lower rate for a flow-through entity, S-Corp LLC, than any other type of entity. So hopefully this creates a lot of productivity is kind of what's that's the, the idea. other, that's that, the other that's side the of the, the well, coin. Well, a lot of it too, Joe, is to, is to bring money back into the United States. Yeah, and then the ex, uh, um, there's what, $2 trillion that it's not here. Right, the, yes. And so they're saying, hey, well, if you bring that money back, expatriate it. And yeah. so it's what, Trump says 10%, 10% and then I think yeah, uh, Ryan's I, plan was zero. Yeah, yeah. Trump's saying one-time 10% tax to get the money back in. And by the way, now, and you you can reinvest it here and plants here and jobs here and then the profits you make will be taxed at a lot lower percentage so there's no reason to go across to foreign countries and there's obviously some logic there and and all of these things how much benefit who knows the the economists are debating about it and they none of them agree so i'm certainly not going to try to speculate but there certainly is some benefit of that of of, of keeping more of the money in the united states and having more jobs here right so, but it, the, the productivity has to be there. So there's more right. income, and so there's more income getting taxed at that lower rate. Right. So that because there's still bills to pay, right? Yes. So that's right. Yeah. So anyway, that's corporate taxes. If we, if we switch back to individual taxes, the alternative minimum tax, Trump would like to abolish that. And if you never heard of that or don't know what it is, it's a whole separate way to compute taxes. There's the regular way that most of us are familiar with, and then there's the alternative way. And by the way, this came about in the 1950s so that the wealthy wouldn't escape by paying no tax. It's a whole different system. Most of the income is taxable in either system, but on the alternative system, a lot of the deductions are more limited, so you don't get as many deductions. And a lot of folks in California that make over a couple hundred thousand dollars end up being subject to this alternative minimum tax, which is a higher rate. And in fact, they may be, Joe, they may be in the 28% bracket, but as soon as they hit alternative minimum tax, because of the phase out of the alternative minimum tax exemption, they're actually in a 35% effective rate. And so that could go away, and, and so that would actually be a pretty big deal. The Republicans have been talking about that for a long time, trying to get rid of that. Well, and it will also simplify it again. I mean, I think sure. that's kind of the theme, right. is that each year you do your taxes, you do it twice. Well, the, the, I don't know how many people actually do their taxes by hand anymore. Yeah, not so many. And the computer software does it well. But if you are doing your taxes With by pencil. hand, you have to do two different systems. Right. Right? And and then whichever one is higher is the one when that you, you got to pay. And by the way, you may have to compute capital gains two different ways. 
you may have to compute your passive income, passive losses, two different ways. Your corporate profits, two different ways, because there's different depreciation rules and on and on and on. Hey, so if you want more of this, uh, Al and I are doing our end-of-year tax planning class. Uh, It's coming up December 6th uh, in San Diego, December 10th in Orange County, Uh, 10 a.m. to 12 noon on both days. 10 a.m. to 12 noon. So if you want in Mission Valley, San Diego, um, or up in Orange County, uh, we're at Orange Coast College. Uh, You can go to purefinancial.com to get more information or call this number to register. Seats will fill up. This will probably be a huge event. I remember 2012 when the fiscal cliff and we had another right presidential election, standing room, 500 plus people uh, jammed. And so this is a little bit bigger deal because there's probably significant potential more more, more changes. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're educated, that you're prepared, that you do the appropriate planning, that you set yourself up uh, where you can take advantage of some opportunity um, so you don't miss out, right? It's our legal obligation to do everything we can to reduce our tax bill, right? That's the American way. That's the American way. I say it's our legal right. Legal right. But you have to understand how the system works and what's going down you do. and how it's going to affect you. 